I held an attitude firmly, a belief system that if it can be done, I can do it. And I just recognize that anyone who's done anything fabulous, fantastic, extraordinary, or ordinarily serviceable in the world is just a person with a belly button in a couple of years. And we all have the capacity to try and succeed. Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and today's episode is about being home free and traveling with balloons. Jason Bliss did this uh, for six years and managed to travel the world. And he admits it itself that without the balloons, he would have to have some sort of an other skill in order to actually travel home free for so long. These days, Jason Bliss is doing an amazing job with twisting and with, with decor and with uh, recreating his business in the balloon world in a totally different way. But still, up to this day, the fact that he traveled the world for six years with the balloons has taught him some lessons that still apply today. I hope you enjoyed the interview. And right after that, a quick update about the interviewee that uh, was interviewed two weeks ago um, and uh, an update uh, about uh, where he is. So see you at the other end. Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, Zivi Kivi here and this is yet another episode coming live from WBC 18 here in San Diego and I have so much fun here meeting people that are also members of Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, people that, that care about their art and educate themselves and have a, a journey that they've been through. I, I get exposed to all kinds of stories and in this case I have the privilege of interviewing Jason Bliss from Balloon Shine Entertainment and Jason you've been a balloon artist for, for quite a few years but also have been through a journey in your life that we would like to talk about in this uh, episode and so tell us a little bit about where you started from balloons when was that and we'll go through the quite amazing journey of of the many years you did hitchhiking and living on the road I would say traveling because of balloons and with the aid of balloons so tell us how you started wow yeah so so I started tying balloons in 1998 so that was about 20 years ago I was uh Living in Phoenix, Arizona, I found a, an ad up from Balloon Abilities uh, inviting for looking for restaurant workers. And uh, yeah, so I figured I'd give it a shot. And they introduced me to a kind fella who talked to me about restaurant etiquette, taught me a few balloon designs. And I say, hey, this is something I could do. And so I went and got a book from the library and a bag of balloons and a pump. and sat home making all kinds of crazy monstrosities but uh, after the end of a couple practice sessions I was ready and I met someone at a restaurant they showed me a little round of restaurant etiquette there and for the next year I was doing restaurant work mainly just working for tips and uh, it was 
it was a really good year. I had left the idea of working for someone else and starting my own business at 22 years old, and I had found my first art form. It was something for coming from a more mathematically minded and engineering background. In school, I was thrilled to have something that I could reproduce various formulas and create art. So I went with it. And yeah, in that first year, I tried clowning, wasn't really my thing. I uh, did some private parties uh, just dressed as me, which I enjoyed more. And after a year doing that, I had some revelations and some other lifestyle changes. And I decided that I wanted to explore the world more. So I kind of got rid of most everything I owned and loaded a backpack with whatever I might need to live the rest of my life and had a friend drop me off at South Mountain and I pointed west and I spent the next 10 days walking through the desert by myself having the journey I had sought and by the end of that I found myself in San Diego uh and having stayed at a hostel for a while, my knees were a little sore from the journey and the little bit of money I brought with me was running out quickly. So I did what I could do and I went and got a bag of balloons and an apron from the thrift store and went out to Seaport Village in San Diego, uh, which is where we are here. It's cool to come full circle. And yeah, in just a few hours, I had enough money to get some groceries, another bag of balloons, and a few nights at the hostel. And that started what ended up being six years living on the road, hitchhiking around the Americas, tying balloons in various parks and festivals and touristy areas in dozens of countries or cities throughout the country. And it was a fabulous life. Have balloons, will travel. Well, and we want to go even deeper uh, into those uh, six years because, you know, uh, that's uh, quite a journey. Uh, uh, previously, we had a discussion, uh, an episode with an interview with Adi Somech, who also, uh, you know, decided to travel around the world and do balloons everywhere he goes. But uh, that was quite different. He, you know, did it uh, strategically for, for filming with a, with, a vid- with a photographer that went with him. And the idea was um, not to, you know, basically leave out of the balloons, but just to document um, the process of doing balloons everywhere. You, you, do, you took a, your own approach which was to make the balloons kind of almost your fuel for going through the journey and, and, and the provider of just enough money to enjoy the trip in a very modest and, I would say, noble way. So I, I want to hear more about the details, but first of all, um, were you having any dilemmas about it or any fears, you know, to leave everything, to leave civilization in a way and to, uh, to put your life and comfort in the hands of strangers and uh, did did anyone like I don't know? Did you had to work hard to convince your parents about it or your friends that you're not crazy that you're you're really going to do that? Were there any real dilemmas there? Well, my first experience being on the road and at the mercy of the kindness of others was actually a couple of years before that. I had 
taken a year off, a summer off after my first year of college, and I took my first road trip by myself, cross country, and my car broke down when I was on the West Coast, and so I spent a couple of months essentially homeless and uh, in this LA area, and I was 19, and uh, yeah, I just, I had some great experiences of trusting the world and meeting people who had lived that lifestyle and recognizing that it could be done. But I ended up really on the down and out side of things because I didn't have money or a way to make money. And so later when I was on the streets again and I had this tool for balloons, it was, um, you know, I made a bit of a contract with the universe, with my creator and provider that if I... I would trust that my needs would be taken care of and I would provide service when asked for. And so I had I had a bit of a soul contract or a personal agreement with myself and, and the life force. And so I, as, I, as I journeyed and things got tough, I just kept reminding myself that everything I needed would be taken care of. And I learned over time that no matter what happens each day, most likely we're going to wake up the next morning and get a chance to do another day. And that helped that helped shave down some of the anxieties over the small problems that might come each day. But no, I sometimes I got rained out on a weekend where I thought I'd be able to make it by and all of a sudden I was broke that week. And so I sometimes got invited to stay with other people in their homes and help them out with whatever projects they had. Sometimes I sat up all night drinking coffee at Denny's so that I could sleep in the park legally in the daytime. Most of the time I was able to make enough money doing balloons on the weekends to afford the hostel stays through the weeks. I also did some farmer's markets. And, you know, the first year was a little tricky and fumbly, but eventually I got my rhythm down and I uh, developed more trust and faith and experiences and skills. And, uh, yeah, I got normalized. I, I met other people within the traveler culture, too, that made me understand really besides a catchphrase that not all who wander are lost and uh, homeless can actually equal simply home free and I felt home free I kept moving forward and looking forward to the next adventure and there were all these invitations and uh, yeah I never I knew that I would never go more than a few days without because it was always somewhere I could get to where I could pull out my balloon apron stash my backpack behind a bush or a tree and walk away a few hours later with more than I'd started with so trust trust was developed it's kind of almost like uh, you had this this renewable energy source <laughs> you know kind of like having the sun charge you up with solar energy but it was like the balloons charging you up with enough money to to go through another week of being home free and traveling and meeting people and and making friends and and being there you know with with uh, all, all around the americas uh, you mentioned the americas and you traveled out of the states uh, was that a big change you know suddenly in terms of culture or in terms of uh, the tips that you were making or the money that you were making out of the balloons was that like um, something that was a big adaptation to do yeah absolutely during those six years I traveled about 46 of the United States five Canadian provinces and had traveled by land through Mexico and the rest of Central America to Costa Rica and back 
So I saw a lot of different lands, uh, did it a lot of different ways. And even in the United States, city to city, there's so many different cultures here. There's a lot of homogenization and um, gentrification, but really there's a lot of uniqueness, one area of the country to another. And this type of art service performance uh and sometimes considered balloon vending in some cities was just received differently from place to place and some places loved it absolutely i felt like the like like a superstar like a celebrity out on the streets I, there's places like kalakawa strip in oahu uh, hawaii and in Waikiki and man I'd get just any given night of the week I'd have a mob of 30 to 40 people from various countries with their cameras out snapping photos giving compliments and tips and uh, that energy that renewable life force and and trust and faith that I was doing something that I could feel good about and in some places I'd have some bicycle cop roll up and tell me he's going to take all my gear away if I don't walk away right now and because I'm selling balloons without a license even though I never would ever offer uh, suggest a price for them and was working for tips um, just different places other different rules and experiences and guidelines and you learn to not take any of it personally and uh, find yourself attracted to the ones that are going to serve your needs best so when did it ever happen again like an encounter with the police were you ever uh, you know even arrested for being in this situation I'd never been arrested I had threats of it mild threats nothing that um, you know I couldn't just walk away from and say okay and close up for the day and find a different park in that city to entertain at but you get again over the years I, I learned different cities that I'd come back to and what areas where it was more welcome than others and so no I never had to, oh you know what? I do recall there was one time a police officer in San Francisco. I was at the Fisherman's Wharf, and I was tying balloons, and he came up, and he was giving me a hard time, and he wanted to write me a ticket. And so I ended up having to go to court for the ticket, and I, I remember the look on the judge's face when I was standing in front of him, and he looked at the ticket for vending balloons without a license, and I gave a very short defense and he just looked at the paper again and stamped it, gave it to the bailiff and said, just get this paper out of my face. He, he thought it was ridiculous and frivolous that I would need to come and see him for this. So that was easily relieved. That was the only time. What was your defense? Oh, I just simply told him that I never charge for the balloons, that I'm providing an entertainment, and uh, people are free to give me money or not, as they will. And so I wasn't vending anything. Easy. Okay. Uh, but you, you seem very confident with the process and with, you know, the risks involved. Uh, you, you give a lot of, you put a lot of trust in, in, in life, in people, in yourself. I want to ask you about, can you name maybe two or three other locations where you just felt more than welcome with what you do and felt like, you know, that, that superstar celebrity feeling that you mentioned before? Sure. Well, the first one that jumps into mind is Pearl Street Mall in Boulder, Colorado. That is in a 
glorious celebration of street performance on the daily out there of all kinds. Uh, it's a walking mall. There's no streets or no cars that drive through the streets, so there's a lot of room for that. Um, Nelson, British Columbia, uh, had a street buskers festival, which was a lot of fun to attend and be part of. And I lingered there some days and kept up with some work. Um, Seattle, uh, near in near the uh, the Space Needle, was another place that I always looked forward to going to. Uh, then there were other places that were open to it, but I just felt like I was lost in the crowd. Like Venice Beach was never my favorite place to go, even though there's tons of that kind of vending and performing. It's kind of saturated and just a different vibration. So I, um, I went there occasionally, but I would try to find other places. Were there places where you would come back to them a few times because they were successful? Sure. Uh, you know, I... In six years, I traveled with the seasons. I made trips back and forth and up and down the country and uh, frequented Hawaii uh, over the years as well. And so, yeah, I would develop develop my roots where I knew I could go in different seasons and thrive and uh, had... My family lives in Michigan, so just about annually I'd circle back through there and I had more resources, the use of a computer and a car and things like that. And so I would spend a few months booking myself out at like parish festivals and things like that so I could really get myself established with more paying gigs that weren't just working for tips. And yes, like so here, Seaport Village here in San Diego was a place I always knew I could swing through and uh, in... There's a lot of great farmers markets around here as well between San Diego and San Francisco. There's just up and down the coast. There's lots of farmers markets that are always available uh, for that kind of entertainment with gracious people under a sunny sky. And do you think you would go through this journey of six years being home free, being dependent on the on your skills and the balloons? Uh, would you would you even consider it without the balloons? Mm. If I, I suppose if I had some other trade, but really, in my experience being in all these environments, there's a lot of people that'll go out and play their guitar or they'll play a saxophone and they're getting, you know, nickels and quarters and a dollar bill occasionally. It doesn't really suit that lifestyle to be lived in a thriving way. There's people that make macrame jewelry or hand blown glass that do all right. Uh, there's. There's others now. The the one, the the people that do more performance, like the statue people, made a killing everywhere. Uh, there were other people that had really great bits. They were contortionists, or they would have a variety show that they do out in the streets, or they do some fire performance or something like that and they would all be uh, doing quite well. But honestly, no. My experiences when I was 19, having to you know, score food off cafe tables and things like that to get by. That's nothing that, not a way that I would want to live. And when I had the balloons, I just felt like if I didn't have enough, it was only my fault for not finding a place to work and help myself thrive. So I didn't have anyone to blame. I didn't have an anti-establishment mentality that a lot of homeless people can acquire. Uh, and I didn't end up spending my time 
with a lot of people that are homeless because they don't believe in themselves, which is an adaptable mindset. Instead, I was in the culture of travelers who many of them, you know, earned money or did whatever they wanted to do at home and then made their, their way on the road. So I had an abundance mindset in those days and having the balloons really kept my spirits up that no matter how empty pocketed I might get, I didn't have to worry about it. I would just sometimes have to wait a few days. How often would you travel with a company, you know, with other people that are travelers like you, yourself? Occasionally, I had some people join me for a while. There was one summer that a friend of mine from Michigan, uh, I had circled back through and he got all excited. He had been reading my travel logs by email and he was, he wanted to join me. So uh, after couple months visiting I he hitchhiked out of town with me and we made our way to Boulder Colorado and went to Pearl Street Mall and he is a really funny guy and Dave Messi maybe you'll hear this and he had this great bit where he just bought some plungers from the hardware store some small ones and he uh, basically assaulted himself on the street with these plungers suctioning them to himself making awkward noises and he would have some comedy bits that he would do with it and uh, yeah he He developed, uh, he developed some confidence to just go out there and perform for people on the streets and have his needs met. And by the time we ended up getting to Hawaii, he got into making macrame jewelry and other things that he was vending. And so he took a different avenue. So he, he traveled with me for quite a while. Uh, besides that, yeah, sometimes I'd meet a poet or a musician and we'd uh, travel for a city or two together and then part ways as the river flows. Wow. How about what was a hard day for you when you traveled? You, you had times where you mentioned before that places were not as inviting as, as others and places that you, uh, you know, even you got a ticket and stuff like that. So what would a, a bad day or a bad week would look like and how would you go through it? Uh, well, of course, getting rained out was, was one of the worst ones because uh, then it, it wasn't just a location issue. It was pretty much a citywide issue. And there were times where if I got to a city uh, on a, you know, at the end of the week and I knew it was going to be rained out, I would just catch a ride to a next city where that was going to have good weather so that I could make it through. Um, yeah, that was pretty much one of the worst things. Otherwise, if I got to a park or something and I put on a balloon hat and a flower and all of a sudden you know sometimes it was amazing it could be an empty park and once that that the balloons came out man it seemed like kids were falling from trees and pulling their parents out from underneath rocks they would just appear from nowhere and all of a sudden I'd have a you know line of people and and some balloons to make and sometimes it didn't work out so much so after an hour of you know accepting that I might close up and go to some other part of town you know there's Sometimes I'd go to the financial district of a city during lunch hour and make a lot of flowers and wearables and things like that for people on their lunch break, which was fun. So I just got creative and learned to do it different ways. Sometimes I'd plan ahead and I'd go to a city where I knew there was going to be a, a festival. There were some websites that were just coming up at the time. Again, this was you know, 2000 through 2006. So there wasn't a lot of online activity, but there were like a couple of websites where I could find events that were about to be happening and plan ahead for that. But bad, no, I, I pretty much usually didn't have to go more than two or three days without money 
um, before I could fill up the pockets again. So, and in those days, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, I slept in parks and under a bridge now and again, or I, you know, it's just found different ways to get by, or I'd find somebody who'd put me up, or I eventually I got savvy enough to. Uh, to work at some of the hostels and just volunteer uh, at the hostel hosting people in exchange for a place to stay. That was something that took me, I think, too long to figure out. But there was always options. And sometimes I, if I was just somewhere, I might find a be at a gas station and find a pickup truck with a bunch of lawnmowers in the back of it and walk up to them and ask them if they needed help with their landscaping business for a couple of days. And that sometimes that panned out too. How about uh, your balloon skills? Did you notice any difference between the beginning in 2000 and until, until the end in 2006? Did you, did, did you improve your skills? Was that uh, important at all? Absolutely. There was uh, the... Well, really, I feel like my skills developed strongly when I was that first year working in the restaurants. It was the first year that the Pokemon craze came out. And while there were no cell phones to pull up pictures, all the kids... All had their big giant binders with all their cards in it all the time and so they would ask I tell them what, what do you want me to make what's your favorite thing in the world and they'd be like paraphree oh I don't really know how to do that and they'd pull out their binder and show me a picture and I went for it and that gave me the confidence of learning how to construct things off of an image off of a cartoon picture or something and so when I was on the road I had already developed a willingness to just go for it and sometimes when it was slow boy I would I, I was actually very inspired when I learned about the balloon hat project uh, that you were describing and that got me very interested in making balloon hats and uh, telling people I never make the same hat twice in a day so that really encouraged me to make a lot of really creative wearables during that time but no giving myself the time and not having much of an agenda and working for tips really encouraged me to stretch my skills and practice and grow and while I didn't have much of an inventory because I had to carry everything I owned I still started experimenting with some different uh, print balloons and some different shapes and I went to T-Jam in 2003 which was a great twister convention and I bought some different uh, shaped balloons and found some creative ways to use those so yeah definitely it developed over the years and would you see any difference in in the results of the tips to to have those new skills and improved skills and more balloons types sometimes but I think really what improved the tips most was the manner in which I conversated with people and interacted with them and developed a comfortability with them and really chatted up the parents and uh, got them. feeling comfortable standing there sometimes for 15 or 20 minutes while I made some big giant fire truck that their kid wanted uh, so the I think my candor with people was really what improved my tips uh, as much as if not more than the balloon skills and the creative designs that I was coming up with that's really interesting and uh, uh, qu quite a lesson I think um, Wow uh, So you, you stopped eventually. What, what, what made you stop traveling you know, for six years and then you stopped? What happened? Well, I was living in Hawaii at the time and 
I just started, I was at a place in my life where uh, I was, I don't know, I was coming of age. I was 27, 28, something like that. And I had, I was just had bigger visions. I wanted to make bigger art with people. I wanted to be bigger part of something more than myself. And I was passing ideas around to friends in Hawaii, but the common answer was, yeah, that's cool, but hey, why don't we just go to the beach? You know, there wasn't much of an ambition mindset with my culture there. And so a friend of mine in Minneapolis at the time, another gypsy traveler who sold her art on the road, she was in Minneapolis and we were communicating over email and she told me that she had found a community of festival people that were doing big art together and they were co-creating really cool events and encouraging people uh, to make believe and uh, that I should come out and meet them. And so I did. I packed up all my stuff and I moved to Minnesota in, in a winter of 2005 and uh, found a tribe of funsters and vibe setters and that really accelerated my art because all of a sudden a I was somewhere long enough that I could build up a more of a stock and get more shapes of balloons and and then I had other people that were doing events that cared for me personally that were trying to get me work and so that's when I started doing more big decor pieces and life-size sculptures and things like that so yeah it was just a time in my life where I was ready to have my own blender and hang a picture on a wall somewhere and do life differently um, so yeah that's that's when it kind of shifted up and ever since then uh, since 2006 uh, 12 years ago You've been through quite a few adventures as well in your life. You've, you've, you've uh, become, became a father and you've lived in Costa Rica for many years. And these days you're back here in the States and you basically grow your business now as a balloon artist. So how meaningful is it these days in your business to have the knowledge of those six years of, you know, getting by by yourself and trusting the, the the world and and knowing that real life communication with people is the thing that makes the difference in the in the bottom line of 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 a transaction with someone on the street and i i can only imagine this affects you these days today does it affect you these days obviously yes i'm i'm standing on the uh, the shoulders of all the me's that have come before and while I, I perhaps find myself a bit more humble these days than the uh, vivacious kid that I was then uh, I still have my moments and you know really over those years I held an attitude firmly a belief system that if it can be done I can do it and I just recognize that anyone who's done anything fabulous, fantastic, extraordinary, or ordinarily serviceable in the world is just a person with a belly button and a couple of ears. And we all have the capacity to try and succeed. And so those years really ingrained that belief system in me. And the years after in Costa Rica, I learned that while if it can be done, I can do it, it's also important to evaluate whether it's the right of wise decision and what needs to be sacrificed to do it. But currently, yeah, finding myself, thanks to the Balloon Artist podcast and all of the great interviews from the contributors, 
I have been opened to new worlds of balloons that didn't exist eight years ago and or 10 years ago. And so I or 20 years ago, and I've just been thrilled to find that there's more options and that I can play and explore with them and find the ones that suit me, myself, my lifestyle and my art form best. And so I've really been having a great time diving into all of the great uh, podcast interviews, the the great courses on the Balloon Artist College website, and uh, yeah, I'm just really in a great state of my life right now where I'm ready to renew my balloon art business and building a new website, and thanks to your help, and this has been, you know, it's... It was half my year, my, half my life ago that I started making balloons. And so coming full circle after taking a long break in Costa Rica and getting it going again and being at this convention in the very city that I first started street busking is just all really oministic and feels good and positive and encouraging that while I don't know exactly what my business is going to be looking like in the coming months, I do know that it's going to be pretty fantastic and that I can do it because all the people before me have done it and shown the way. And it's a great thing about this community and how much how willing so many people are to share their business practices, their skills, their designs, their inspirations, and feed the industry that way. And I'm really grateful to be on the receiving end of it. This is quite a journey you've been through. Uh, started here in San Diego and uh, 18 years ago, and now completing the circle here in the World Balloon Convention, meeting a lot of people and spending time learning and improving your art. And also just, you know, from uh, working together in the last uh, few months uh, on on building your, the business side of things in your life, I, I really feel like, in a way, I now understand you better. And those six years where you put your trust on yourself and on the human kind you know and managed to see the world and travel and found your own voice i would say and also grow up from it and and, and kind of mature from it and find your w wish to build stuff that are bigger and you know all of the things that you've been through i feel these days just another step with trusting yourself to come here to wbc and and know that this will bring you the next push and you know learning through the balloon artist podcast and college which is just another city in the journey in a way with more people that can help you and provide you with uh, all kinds of knowledge and skills and I think I think you live a very humble way but also a very confident way and that sentence that you said if it can be done I can do it that's that's a mindset that not a lot of people have so I really thank you for sharing it here in the balloon artist podcast and I wish you a lot of success in your way and uh, I'm happy to be you know to look at you from from close to see your way uh, materialize and to be to to take a part of that so thank you for your trust man something else I'd like to add to that that I learned over those years is that money comes and money goes there the the fear that would keep someone from living that lifestyle and it's very true that it takes a certain kind of personality to be willing to do that but 
the the fear a lot of time both with living that kind of lifestyle or starting a new business or moving forward with any other dream in life often comes down to financial stress and worry and one thing that those years had taught me is that money is not what sustains me in this life that there are a great number of things that give us what we need to move forward with our dreams and there are other people, their information, their ingenuity, their trust, their patience, their time. And money is certainly one of them and a magnificent one. And I have been with nothing. And I have also had periods in my life where I had quite a lot of money and built a wonderful farm and hosted people from hundreds of, you know, or dozens of countries. And, uh, and then the money got invested and used up and now the farm sustaining itself in a humble way and and life has brought more and life has brought less and sometimes there's plenty and sometimes there seems to be less but there's any time that I find myself worried about it is the time where I find myself not able to do anything about it whereas when I fall back on the trust that my needs will be provided for, my needs, my true needs will be provided for no matter what, then I can let that go and just get to the task at hand. And I know enough of my resourcefulness that I can keep myself out of that worry state that allows me to make the investments that seem wise to make, like coming to WBC, knowing that this investment is going to not only pay off financially many times over, but be fulfilling on my personal journey enough to say yes. And so I'm grateful that I did. And I, I encourage anyone who is thinking about following a dream or an inspiration or a path toward personal fulfillment to not get hung up on the why nots or the can'ts or the money thing, but really align yourself with that purpose and do something every single day to move in that direction. And that's how mountains are climbed and it can be done. And that, that's really beautiful. I, I want to say amen. And you're a poet in, in many ways, not just a balloon artist. So really appreciate your, the way that you phrase things and the way that you look at the world. It's, it's very inspiring. Uh, so thank you again, and I hope you get lots of value from this convention and as well as from all the content in the Balloon Artist College and looking forward to working together after this convention and making things happen as well. Thank you, Zivi, your gift to the industry. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you guys for listening for yet another episode of the Balloon Artist Podcast. See you next week. Wow, I think this is really inspiring to hear not only how Jason managed to to accept whatever he gets as enough to fulfill his needs for six years, uh, thanks to balloons, but also how these days he understands what he wants. He understands, you know, what he's building, what is his kingdom. And I really appreciate... Um, the, uh, the opportunity to meet with Jason and to interview him, but also to work with him through uh, MABC, the Modern Automated Balloon Business Course, which is more like a program. And, and that is one of the programs that uh, 
me and uh, Jason are involved in working together through uh, balloonartistcollege.com. Uh, thank you for listening for this episode. I want to share with you that uh, the, the episode two weeks ago uh, with Ran Nitke, uh, that was you know, pre-made in advance and unfortunately and ironically at the very day that the episode went live, that's when the Israeli community of balloon artists uh, have learned that Ranitke has gone blind and he's now uh, fully blind. Uh, it was a shock to us all that it arrived so fast and that the timing is special not because of the podcast episode but actually because he managed to fulfill his final project and to actually design an amazing decor job for a balloon convention in Israel and the end result of 20 people working for his designs for his uh, job and recreating his dream was an amazing experience he he managed to to feel the end result, to, to touch it, but not really to see. Although this is uh, quite hard to overcome, this huge change in Rand's life, he is already on his feet, working. His friends, and I consider me one of them, uh, we don't allow him to rest. We give him new jobs to plan, new designs, and even he helps in, in all sorts of projects. And I, I just welcome you to go to the Balloon Artist Facebook group, see a few of the posts there. You can see actually Ran working on an organic arch and using his touch to know uh, where should he add more balloons. And you can even see some balloon hats that Ran made for a dance floor experiences event for a wedding. And that's basically me taking him as a subcontractor, paying him good money as a, like a fair, a fair cut from the event and uh, helping him by that, providing him opportunities to work from, from his home. And it's just amazing to see all of those hats that he prepares while being totally blind. Um, so... Uh, that's the only thing you need to do right now. Just go to the Balloon Artist Facebook group and get this extra dose of inspiration. Uh, Ran would want you to do that. Thank you and see you next week on the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi. This is Season 6, Chapter 7, <sighs> the tip section. And today I want you to clean up your page. And the page is an acronym. So here's what you need to do. This is my tip for you. I hope you notice that those tips in this season, uh, in this season, Season 6, the, the tips are more related to lifestyle and to business and to making a change in your day-to-day -day in a way that will help you by much. So uh, here's a g really easy to implement uh, tip about cleaning up your page so that you will have room for other stuff in your life. 
Um, so the one thing that I want you to see, like the P, the P of page, I want you to remove one podcast from your podcast list. I go into your podcast app and delete one. Maybe the one that you're not hearing anyway, like you don't have time to it. Maybe like you, you don't need it anymore. It doesn't really bring you value. Like make a decision to say farewell to one podcast. And it, may, it might be that you're going to say farewell to this podcast. That's okay. I want the best in your life and for your life. And if you're staying in this journey with me, I want it to be for the right reason. So I want you to take control over your life and over the information that you hear. So remove, remove one podcast from your list. The A or the, in the acronym page so the A is an app. I want you to go into your phone and choose one app and delete it. This one is probably easy, especially for me uh, with my kids. I always have one more app to delete, but delete one app that, it, that you don't need. Uh, it will make you feel like you are in control of what you do. And actually it will motivate you to do other stuff that you need to do in your life, like maybe marketing. Uh, the next letter in page is G. And what I want you to do is leave one Facebook group. OMG, we have so many balloon Facebook groups that you don't need. Uh, again, you know, if, he, if you don't need the balloon artist Facebook group, which is the group that I'm the admin of and that I, I try to bring a lot of value into this group, but also it's not about me, it's about you guys. You bring a lot of value into this group too. So you you can leave that group if you, that's the group you choose. You can leave any other group. There's so many of them. Just And it doesn't have to be a balloon-related group, but I recommend <coughs> you leave one Facebook group. Just go to your Facebook, find the one of the groups that you're a member and leave it. Okay, This will affect your brain. It will make your brain go, hmm... I choose what I consume and uh, I choose what I get and what I achieve and what I do. And the last letter on the acronym page is email. So I want you to unsubscribe from one email list. And again, it might be the Balloon Artist podcast email list. I don't really care. All I want for you to do is control your destiny, get stuff done, do your homework on, on marketing and on improving your skills. When you're ready to improve your skills, the balloonartistcollege.com website will be there for you. And in the meantime, you just need to clean up your page a bit so that you will be able to focus on what's important. What is important for you, I wonder? Let me know on the Balloon Artist Facebook group. Bye-bye.